And we are recording in progress. Recording with the one and only Mr. Joe Kent on Sunday, February 19th, 2023 at 103 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, first episode with uh, Mr. Kent, I guess, live. Uh, I've been doing them live for a couple weeks, but nobody gives a shit about that. So let's just get right to it. A uh, lot of things going on. And uh, as always, I don't know what the answer is. I'm just floating them. And is it is this <clears throat> foreign actor sabotaging our infrastructure? Is this neglect by the Biden administration? Is this a hangover from the Trump administration or the Obama administration? Is this just chance? Is this internal sabotage? All things in the ether, all possibilities. I don't claim to know any of them, and I certainly speak for myself and not for Joe. But uh, Joe, for all the new listeners, please introduce yourself and then share your thoughts. Yeah, so uh, Joe Kent did a little bit over 20 years in the Army. I was a Green Beret, uh, whole career in special operations. I uh, did a little bit in the CIA as a paramilitary ops officer. Uh, not very long, only there for about a year. Uh, left because my late wife, who was also in the military, was uh, killed fighting ISIS in Syria right before Trump, right after Trump attempted to get our troops out the first time. So that kind of launched me out of the my, my old life, fighting overseas, to a fight back here, uh, fighting for America first uh, principles and policies. Worked a little bit with the Trump administration on foreign policy worked in the trump 2020 uh campaign and then 2020 happened i was back here in the pacific northwest when the riots and all that broke out uh my congresswoman decided that she was going to vote for trump's impeachment so i decided it'd be a great idea to run for congress did that uh last cycle defeated the incumbent was the republican nominee and uh, unfortunately fell a little bit short in the, in the general by about 2600 votes so i had so much fun doing it the first time i decided i'd just run for congress all over again so <laughs> i am i am now once more a congressional candidate so hell yeah yeah um man it's uh to get to, get to your question it's hard to look at everything that's happening right now and not feel like there's some sort of a pattern and you know patterns and trends and all that can be very tricky because you can manipulate data towards your bias um but what we can't rule out is we, we, we can't say that, hey, um, a lot of our critical infrastructure is is failing. Now, is that because it's being attacked? Is it failing because it's being it's been neglected for far too long? That's what we need to delve into. And, and what I think we can definitively say right now is that we're not getting straight answers from people who owe us straight answers because we, the people, pay their salaries to keep us safe. And when things go awry like this, when we have Chinese spy balloons floating over Montana, the, the government doesn't want to admit it. Then they want to admit, well, yeah, we knew about it a week ago. Um, and then we have other unidentified aircraft and they want to play cutesy and say maybe it's aliens to kind of distract us. And then we have trained derailments where they say, hey, we're just going to go ahead and control detonate this the, these chemicals. Everything's fine. Go ahead and return to your homes. Um, I mean, th things are seriously awry right now. And we need straight answers from our elected officials. Um, I think we do need to take a look at this stuff in terms of everything that's happening right now. We've got a war that continues to escalate in Ukraine. We've had a lot of, you know, pretty credible reporting saying that we've played a much more active role in that than what's publicly disclosed. And what's publicly disclosed already makes us essentially in a proxy war with Russia. Now, if you add on the fact that, like, it's, it, it, it looks like by, by some reporting that we, the United States, NATO, um, surrogates or proxies of ours or us directly blew up the NORAD stream to pipeline. Uh, I, I, I don't believe the narrative that Putin blew up his own pipeline. So that kind of narrows down the list of actors who could pull off something like that. So if you look at all of that in its totality to include what's happening with China, China is clearly uh, either, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, probing our defenses or showing that they've kind of got us in a position of compromise, that they know that they can do these types of provocative actions without any kind of repercussions. When you look at the full scope of that, I really think it, it uh, we can't just quickly rule out some form of sabotage. Because look, we conduct acts of sabotage to achieve political outcomes overseas quite a bit. I mean, we have an entire branch of people that do that. I used to be one of them. So we, we do we do those things. And so for us to think, well, that will never happen here. I mean, that's, that's just foolish thinking to begin with. But at the bottom line, that was a long-winded answer of like, we need some clear answers from our elected officials right now. It's like when you're 16 and get caught with a bottle of alcohol and some weed and you're trying to tell your dad you don't do this and your friends don't do this. And he's just looking at you going and he, in his mind. He's like, you think I'm a fucking idiot? Like, I'm, oh, right, I'm, a, I'm right. a guy, too. What, you, you think I wasn't yeah. 18 once? You think I didn't say the same yeah. lie to my and <clears throat> again? Yeah. No, we have an entire branch of things doing that um, in the book Dead Hand. 
There's a great section specifically about us doing that to the then Soviet Union. I think the largest non-nuclear explosion observed from space was us blowing up. It was a train derailment near a, uh, I think, like a natural gas pipeline. And they thought it was at the beginning of nuclear war. And someone from the agency actually had to run to the Oval Office and tell Reagan, like, no, it's all Gucci. Like, we did it. But, like, we we do this. This is exactly what we do. Um, In the book, um, what's it called? Uh, this is How They Tell Me the World Ends by Nicole Perleroff. She talks very prescient right before the war started in Ukraine. She put this book out like three months prior about Russia's cyber capabilities and that they're not some backwater, you know, bunch of yokels drinking vodka like, no, they know how to fuck around, too. So the idea that this wouldn't happen to us, it's like, dude, we wrote the book on this. This is exactly what's happening to us. So, yeah, it then comes back to are we incapable of stopping it? I I don't believe that. So then is it is it as grandiose as the Biden administration's compromised without trying to sound like just as crazy as saying Trump's a Russian Manchurian candidate? Or is right, it. Right. Uh, yeah. Is this just China uh, ever increasing and kind of, you know, flexing nuts on us? Excuse my. Yeah, you know, when, when you look at the when you look at the attacks on um, the, the critical infrastructure, um, it's comforting to believe that maybe it's a foreign adversary conducting some sort of like a nefarious infiltration and conspiracy because, you know, we can figure that stuff out. We we have, you know, domestic intelligence that when they take a break from trying to run down every single grandmother who was anywhere near the Capitol on January 6th, in theory, they're capable of tracking down a threat like this. Um, so that's almost reassuring. I would I, I personally would almost hope that this is some sort of a foreign conspiracy that we can just, you know, unravel and, you know, apprehend and take care of. What's even, I think, more frightening is, hey, is this just the are, are things coming to a head that our critical infrastructure has gotten to a point of decay and vulnerability that it's almost impossible to determine if this is a hostile act or there's just stuff literally, no pun intended, coming off the rails throughout the entire country on every level, all these different complex systems that we rely on. We started to see the the erosion and the breakdown during COVID. We realized how just deeply entrenched with China that we were and how dangerous that is. But then we, we've been warned for years. I mean, you don't have to dig too too deep into the, the interwebs to find out, like, we've been very concerned about our critical infrastructure for a very long time. The nuts and bolts, like, s- simply does it function. Like, we all live in the world. You can drive down any major highway, and it, you, things are not in a good state. We've got bridges here that cross the Columbia that are key to interstate commerce that have just inc- have been, you know, decayed to almost a very dangerous and reckless point. And so, like, is, is that what we're seeing? And then also, I, I think another factor, too, is that we have been led to believe that there is this class of experts and i don't care what fields you're talking about we in the last i think 20 or 30 years have really venerated managers and said hey the managers are going to run things these so-called experts who have very little expertise at the thing they're supposed to be managing they've been elevated to all these different high positions i mean fauci is a great example of that he's dr fauci he's like the top he is the science i mean the guy has been i know he went to medical school i'm not um, questioning his medical credentials, but he hasn't been a practitioner I, since I've been alive. I think. I mean, in in the in the 80s, he was a senior medical administrator, and he's just one example. The Pentagon is rife with them. We got these generals who, yeah, I know they look like war heroes in their in their army costumes and stuff, but these guys have been in management positions for the last 20 plus years, and you can see how great things are going on every single military adventure we go on. So uh, that to me is like the systemic and cultural rot that is manifesting itself and all these different systems breaking down that to me is is a much bigger issue and and, and far more complex for us to to tackle and so i i do think it's a i think it's potentially a combination of all of them but if we if we get our ducks in a row on taking care of ourselves first as opposed to i don't know pick whichever country we're sending billions of dollars to because there's quite a few of them ukraine probably being the biggest draw at the moment and we started prioritizing places like east palestine ohio you know then i think we'd just be in a, a much better spot yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's certainly more uh, comforting for it to be a, a foreign enemy because you can you can approach that. I would even almost slightly disagree with you on on it being even. It, it would be best case scenario would be a foreign enemy because we can patch that up. I would say next best case is it's our infrastructure's failing because even then it's something that we've diagnosed. You yeah. know, it's it's like going I'm fat because of my genetics. And then your doctor goes, No, it's not. And then 
okay, it's a shitty feeling realizing you got to stop eating McDonald's, but then you have the realization of it's still under your control. You can do this yeah. versus a third option is you're being sabotaged from within. Someone in your family is slipping Reese's cups into your sandwich or something. And that is, and again, that's very, I, I, I can't criticize I can't criticize the radical left for thinking Trump's a Manchurian candidate for Russia and then go on to say Biden's a Manchurian candidate for China. That's just my own. I have to like rationally come to terms with that in my head. But there is sort of the mathematical part where you go, how many how many decisions and actions can this administration take before you start wondering what are the possibilities that they're just incompetent when every single one not only benefits our enemies, but is detrimental strategic oil reserve, devaluation of the dollar, no southern border, sending all of our weapons and a tenth of a trillion dollars to Ukraine, allowing incursion into our airspace. At a certain right, at a certain point, you go. It's one thing if you if you fuck up here and there, but every yeah. single time across the board, that's not an that's not an accident, and that's. I don't even what do what do you what do you do then? I mean, is this internal sabotage? Yeah. Is it neglect? Is it they're f- afraid to make China look bad? Are they afraid to appear racist? I mean, not that you have the answers, but I'm gonna put it on you anyway. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you you can't look at the way the initial balloon, not the other couple that came up. That's a whole different story. The initial Chinese spy balloon that we that regular citizens looked up and said, "What is that thing in Montana?" The way that that was handled to me, it, it just really you can't look at that. And then totally forget about the Hunter Biden laptop. You can't totally forget about all of the evidence we have of Biden actually being compromised by the Chinese Communist Party um, and, and say like, oh, OK, well, let's look at these two things completely separately. You you just can't do that. At the end of the day, I think a lot of people are inclined to say, well, it's just because Joe Biden is this doddering old dementia ridden man. He didn't know he couldn't make a decision about the balloon. He's so feckless. Like, no, I don't think it's that. I think that excuses the way Biden answers questions sometimes that he's you know not mentally all there. However, for them to say, yeah, actually, we we were tracking this thing when it took off, you know, on some island off the Sea of China and it floated north, you know, over Alaska. And then we had to deal with it once our citizens spotted it. But we still didn't shoot it down right away. We let it fly all the way across the country. And then once it was done with its spy mission, once it was done being a spy balloon, then we shot it down. Like that's when you do have to take a hard look at everybody involved in that decision making process, starting with the commander in chief and say, like, why aren't you doing any of this? Why, why, why does it seem like every action that you're taking right now benefits not America, but the Chinese Communist Party, you know, on the the Ukraine side, Ukraine oligarchs that he is deeply, deeply intertwined with. Again, back to the Hunter Biden laptop. Like the the comparison, I understand what you're saying about like, hey, it's we we can't make fun of the left for saying that Trump was you know sure. a, a Russian Manchurian candidate, and, and then say Biden's the same thing with the CCP. Uh, but we can't ignore facts. I mean, at the end of the day, none of them evidence ever materialized with Trump being some sort of a compromised Russian asset. I mean, now as we, as we go down the rabbit hole, we come to find out that like the intelligence community knew about it, the FBI knew about it. One of the FBI guys in charge of the Steele dossier himself was actually was a Russian asset. <laughs> like you can't make this crap up. Whereas, you know, it, the, the opposite is true. The more we learn with the, the Biden crime family, we find out how just deeply compromised these guys are. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a major issue. And I, I think also in this, and, and that's a, that's something that we can, if we have the courage, uh, as far as Congress and as far as the media, real journalists, there's still a few out there. If they have the courage to really delve into and hold Biden accountable, we can kind of get a hold of that one crime family. But I, I do think just the systemic rot we have in our bureaucracies, where you have people there who they, they truly care about their little little fiefdom, their little rice bowl of bureaucracy more than they care about like what's good for the country. But then, I mean, also you have folks, and these are holdovers from the Obama administration, the Biden administration. The old school, you know, Bush guys, these people truly don't think there's anything exceptional about America at the end of the day. Like they, these guys are, and I go back to this managerial class, they think the world would be better off if, you know, the managers in every single country just met with each other in Geneva or in Davos and or New York City at the UN and just really kind of kept the rest of us, you know, people in line. We just have that elite culture. And so when you have those people in charge of your national security, they're not worried about our national sovereignty. And, you know, from the Southern border to the skies over our heads that couldn't be clear and so I, I do think we need congress to really hold these guys hold their feet to the fire and hold them accountable uh there's a great book called uh, uh the creature from jekyll island about the federal reserve 
Um, oh yeah. And it's um, but there's just a great line from it, and I always I always cite it when talking about just the ownership of media. I mean, the banks would buy up the the newspapers in their respective cities, and then they would own. You know, it was no one ever questioned that like the newspapers from New York were all in favor of like J.P. Morgan. Everyone's like, that's the truth, and it's like, who do you think owns it, man? It's the guy worth three hundred billion, right? So, but you have to almost extrapolate that a century and nine years later, right? 1913 and now a century, nine years later, a lot of them viewed competition. They said as, as like deeply disgusting. The idea was you create the best thing and that's how you create standard oil or you create, you know, Carnegie steel or, and then whoever the railroad tycoons were, you push everyone out, you consolidate, you have the big fish eat the little fish. But then once you hit this apex, you are no longer climbing the mountain, but you're instead you're playing, king of the mountain or king of the hill yeah so you buy off everyone and put them back down why wouldn't that and i'm just thinking of this now why wouldn't that expand one step further why wouldn't once you've consolidated everything and owned everything why wouldn't you go why do we have separate countries what's the point of what's the point yeah. of this competition if these are the people that rise to the top and they don't view anyone they just view them as cattle why wouldn't that go further why wouldn't you want a weaker united states a stronger china like, why wouldn't you just want to destroy everything? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you just if you listen to what they say in Davos, you know, when they're, when they're having the World Economic Forum, it's basically that. I mean, they, they said, hey, we are the smart and enlightened ones. Um, we need to lead our people to this better collective spot. But that better collective spot is literally the elites sitting on a mountain, you know, telling the rest of us that we're going to whatever, live in a pod, eat, eat bugs, bugs all, all, all that type of stuff. I mean, the stuff they say there, I, I feel like is more outlandish than anything that we can come up with, like off the top of our head. Because uh, if you listen to what they're actually saying, it is just this no borders, um, like sort of a one world government, but it, it's not even like a one world authoritarian government. It's this one world government where the major money, moneyed interests are in charge um, and they take away not just national sovereignty, but any kind of, you know, individual agency that we have as humans, you know? And so I think a lot of these more internationalist leaning folks in the senior levels of our government, especially people who are, are deeply invested in, in foreign policy. Um, you know, we always talk about the corruption of the military industrial complex, foreign aid and all that. And that, that certainly is there, but the task doers, the worker bees in that there, there is a lot of folks who deeply believe in this, this, better place that we're heading towards where there's there was some there's some utopian vision of world harmony and world cooperation that just flies in the face of, of human nature whatsoever and at the end of the day if they could get their way it would it would take away everything that's beautiful and unique about individual individual sovereignty and individual national sovereignty i guess another uh puzzle piece in my mind i, I can't really fit with is um yeah as much as they appear as a monolith the the elite, the intelligence community, the military industrial complex, the national security apparatus, the firmament, they there are factions. And at a certain point, even if not for this like benevolent stand up for the constitution, even if it's just some dude trying to get his turn on the throne, someone's someone has the communications. If if this person is right, if this person is compromised or they're being blackmailed. Someone has the communications. Someone has the, they have the evidence. Why is that? Is it fear of their own life? Is it, is it someone's, someone knows this is, Biden doesn't, have, there's not some secret back channel. Like the NSA, the, they don't care. They, they, they watch everything. They know everything. They, they, Henry Kissinger had the nuclear football withheld from Air Force One when Nixon was flying home because he was drinking deeply. That is a treasonous thing, but they still did it because they're they're looking at him and they're going, dude, this guy's shit faced, and they just held it. So there, there are there is the ability for people to move around just under, I suppose, the king, unless the entire thing is comp, which to me is that's still kind of impossible to believe that a hundred percent of the people are compromised. So what is it? And again, I don't know why I'm talking to you like you're, you're the wizard with the answers, but tell me, oh, wise one. Yeah, I mean, I, if I knew exactly where where the one guy of all the evidence was, we'd... <laughs> hey, Joe, we'd cough it up. We'll cut, it, we'll cut him a deal, you right. know. Um, I, I, I do think with... I mean, Biden has been in D.C. for so long. 
Um, I, I just think a lot of the compromise, corruption or whatever, I don't think it's as, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I, you look at the Hunter Biden laptop and like there's some pretty damning, salacious, to put it mildly, stuff on there that just really puts it right into our face. But I think with Biden, it's just been part of his culture for so long. I mean, I think he came to D.C. as the senator from from Delaware. He was the credit card lobbies guy. I mean, this guy knows how to take money, get money transferred to him. He, I think the quid pro quo just comes so natural to him because he's just such a DC survivor that it's been second nature, probably like for two, three decades with him at, at, at very least. Um, and so I think the list of people that have like dirt, so to speak on Joe Biden is probably you know several miles long at this point. Um, but also that, that too is dangerous because if everybody has you compromised. Basically you can just be maneuvered in whichever way, the, you know, the prevailing winds kind of blow him. And I think we, we, I do think we see that a little bit right now. And I, I think at some point, and this is, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe they're going to run Biden again in 24 because they just think that they have their election mechanisms and their election techniques worked out to such a great extent that they can run a corpse. They've, they've proven that they can do that in, in multiple states and in the executive branch. Um, but there is a lot of rumblings about moving Biden out of the way. And the way that they're doing that right now with like, nope, guess we just found some classified documents in your garage, Joe, you know, and then they then then just to send a message, they do it to like Pence and Trump and every, it's just like, Okay, well, that that to me really speaks to not just how corrupt Biden is, of course it does, you know, but for the the administrative state, whatever you want to call it, to be able to within the course of like a couple of weeks, be like, we just found classified documents on quite a few of you. And that's that's going to be a problem for you. It's just like, wow, that was that was quite the flex of them saying, whenever we decide, we're going to make your life very, very difficult. And that kind of speaks to what I was saying about someone has it. like it's not. It's not a coincidence that they just in multiple locations find find things at the Biden residence. Like that's not that's not the case. No, no, you you don't get in there unless there's a detonation mechanism on you, which yeah is kind of messed up. But I mean, at a certain point, is it like politics makes strange bedfellows? Do you almost want someone to bring down that administration, even if it's not under the guise of I'm standing up for liberty. It's just someone that's like, I, I want to be in the Oval Office. I mean, if your values align, I mean, you almost you almost wish something like that like that happens. And it's um to kind of pivot because we've been so cheery this episode, is like, is there any is there any is there any hope? I mean, Jim Jordan's subpoena uh sending subpoenas to the the big tech companies. Um about their collusion with the government, and not long after that, the CEO of uh, uh, YouTube, uh, Susan, whatever, stepped down. Is there any ability for the thing to unravel? And I'm not even saying like, oh, the other side's perfect. Yeah, they're all f- full of shit too. But is there any like silver lining to this? I think we're making progress. I mean, things can seem dark, you know, if you just read the headlines. But if you look at, I mean, hey, I I unfortunately kind of fell short in my race for the House, but we did get a, a slight majority. There were some serious negotiations there in the in the speaker's deliberation that gave the Freedom Caucus folks like Jim Jordan a lot of maneuver uh, space. Ke- uh, Kevin McCarthy, to his credit as the Speaker of the House, he put fire breathers in charge of these committees. He established the committee to hold government accountable. And so I think that that's a step in the right direction. Same thing with, uh, with COVID. We're going to start getting some accountability for that. It's not going to be as fast as people want. Congress can't arrest people. <laughs> I mean, they can yeah. subpoena. They can ask for questions. They can ask for information. They can put people on the spot. Um, once they go uh, and deliberate another budget, they can withhold funding if these, if these departments are cooperating, which I think is the direction that uh, Jim Jordan may end up having to go to get the DOJ to actually, you know, play ball. But I think that right there, I mean, <clears throat> that's a small victory. Let's see what happens. Let's still hold their, hold them accountable and make sure they're actually delivering. But that's really good news. I mean, if you would have told, I think, the majority of us in, you know, the aftermath of, of the 2020 election, like this time two years ago, I, I don't think any of us would have seen that as even remotely possible with the Democrats controlling all three branches of government. So, you know, we, we really just got to keep the faith and keep and keep pushing the Twitter files, too. I mean, Elon Musk, you could probably do multiple episodes on Elon and some people like he didn't do enough, like he's controlled opposition relationship with China. I get all that. But what Musk did by exposing the Twitter files, I mean, he just really he blew a Mack truck through the narrative that like there's a separation between social media and government. He just exposed how deep that is. 
how our intelligence agencies are cooperating with big tech to actually censor people. I mean, it's, it's insanity. Hunter Biden laptop story is a you know, great example of that. And so I think we're slowly starting to see this. We're going to be in an information war. I mean, the media and the administrative state are going to do everything they can to just destroy anybody who's who's any part of that whatsoever. We just saw what happened with Matt Gates. I mean, Matt mm-hmm. Gates and his family had to endure two years of Matt being accused of being like a child sex trafficker, all because of the work that Matt does on committees withholding the administrative state responsible. We finally now, I mean, there's members of the DOJ now who are getting charged for, you know, fabricating those lies against his family. But like, this is, this is what these people do. They're going to attempt to ruin, ruin lives. So we just got to, I think, keep our eye on the, on the, the, uh, our eye on the prize and just continue to ask and demand for accountability. Yeah, there is a moment of realization that I think people do need to eventually have that there is no amount of capitulation that is good enough. There's no amount of flogging yourself that is okay. It's not a, you don't go do the, you know, four detentions and then you're good to go. It's you do four detentions and then it's like, all right, now we're going to shave your head. And once you do that, it's like, all right, now we're going to tattoo a dick on your face or something. Like it never stops. J.K. Rowling, perfect example, right? I mean, a Christian conservatives hate her. They say it's witchcraft, you know, and then she goes even farther. No, she's retroactively making them a black trans gay person in a wheelchair, whatever. And then she comes out and goes like, hey, grown men shouldn't be allowed to go into the same restrooms as women and expose themselves, especially children. And uh, she is now, you know, like Reichsmaster Rowling. She is a Nazi. Yeah. So no one can do it. You cannot go that far. You, you will always be drawn back in. And I think Elon Musk has showed that. And is is Elon Musk controlled opposition? Look, at that point, I don't know. If he is, then I, okay, then whatever. Then the whole, th- whatever. But at a certain point, you do have to look at it and go, you have to take the win when you can get it. And it's also, Amen. it's that meme, right? Their propaganda wouldn't be necessary if the situation was hopeless. Or another examination of it is, is, you don't steal an election when you're in power. By definition, you are the minority because you had to steal it, right? So there is a groundswell of people, more than 50%, if you had to steal it, that don't agree with you. And then in conjunction with their propaganda, you realize that it is a minority, you know, using a flashlight to put a shadow puppet on the wall to make themselves look bigger and stronger. And I think you're maybe seeing that with a with a crack. I, if they had total control, if it was a a panopticon, full-spectrum, dominance, technocratic tyranny. Someone like Musk wouldn't have been able to buy Twitter and then start exposing... And they're still coming out. The files are still coming out. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, again, two years ago, if you had said that they'd be subpoenaing Big Tech and then Elon Musk would buy Twitter files and start showing the collusion, would have said you're batshit. So, I mean, you got to go, you know, what does the next two years hold? Like... There has to be some optimism yeah. in there. Yeah, I mean, things definitely like you can read the read the news every day and see that things are accelerating in a, in a bad, dangerous direction on one side. But then, like you said, like we we're making gain, we're making gains. I do think if we keep pushing and we keep people that have an open mind, conservatives, if we make sure that they're politically engaged, I mean, because that's the I mean one of the biggest things that the Democrats and really just this. <clears throat> Leviathan of the administrative state combined with party Davos, what they really want to do is they want people to check out from politics. They they really just want like anybody who uh, goes against what they say to say, oh, it's all rigged. It's all stolen. My vote doesn't matter. None of that crap matters. Because then, like you said, they then they will actually have power yeah. and they won't have to steal anything. They won't have to be duplicitous. They'll just have all of us completely and totally checked out. So that's really what I would kind of caution people. It's easy to take the black pill if you read too much, any, any new site, any social media. Um, it's easy to get disenfranchised. But if, if we continue to stay engaged, especially at the political level and really hold these folks accountable, I, I do think that the the potential of us being able to ta- actually take our country back and get some accountability, I think it, it are those chances grow stronger every day. Yeah, I mean, you can take the black pill, but then that's your own defeat. That's you are you are defeating yourself, which is just, I mean, that's yeah. between you and your God or whatever. Out, out, out of sheer out of sheer spite, you can't take the black pill because they want you to take the black pill. So if you take the black pill, you're doing exactly what they want you to do. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it is it is weakness at the most core level. They're like and. And there's also like there's something to me that's and I don't know if I'm just deranged, but there is something to me that is like deeply funny about still trying to do the right thing in a in a world so utterly fucked. Like there is something just 
above all else, not like not like my belief in God or the Constitution. There's something deeply funny about looking at this like nine trillion dollar war machine, being like, "We're gonna be transhuman gods, and the rest of you're gonna eat soy bugs in a pod," and being like, you know, not so fast, Mister. Like, there's something funny about that to me. So I don't know. Maybe I'm not tethered to reality, but like, there is an importance to do that. And yeah, again, they they wouldn't need they wouldn't need that that disillusionment in you they wouldn't need to they want you to check out they want you to say i can't win they want you to think tom brady's walking on the field and you're going i whatever i can't i can't but that's that's not the case you you have to break their soul like that's what you have to do and again just little little tidbits of positive i mean trump's twitter was reinstated he's not using it his facebook was reinstated dr malone and dr mccullough are back on twitter Within the last two days, I'm back on Twitter. Not that anyone cares, but to me, that's you know kind of a tectonic shift. There are good things coming, and as long as we keep pushing, they again they want to break your soul. They want you to think yeah. nothing can be done. They want it's hypernormalization. They want a balloon to go across the U.S. They want to give a hundred billion dollars to Ukraine. They want you know a hundred tons of vinyl chloride to go off in Ohio around all these conservative-owned family farms and to do nothing. They want you to do something, but it, they, they're not, they're not undefeatable. No, they're not. And, and most of it's just common sense. I mean, like, I, I don't think you need to be deeply steeped in, you know, geopolitics to look at your decision makers and say like, why are you sending money to, to Ukraine when we have this crisis right here in Ohio? Like, why are you sending money to Ukraine when our board, I mean, Joe Biden was just tweeting the other day about how we've lost 70,000 Americans to fentanyl death. It's like, well, okay. Then again, man, why do you have time for all these different foreign adventures when our borders wide open, you know? And so I, I think a lot of that, just asking those honest questions and, and yeah, like I said, stay, stay engaged in the, in the, in the political process is as frustrating as it. And you don't have to stay involved in like the, the super, you know, hot topics of national politics. If people get engaged at the local level, school boards, your county commissioners, there's very important stuff going on there at, 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 at those levels that impacts your daily life. And that's another place where like the machinery, they don't want you involved in at all. They're totally happy. I mean, we have municipal elections coming up this fall, fall of 2023. I mean, hey, if you thought participation was low in a midterm year, wait till you look at these off cycle 21, 23, 25 municipal elections. But you know who pays attention to those? The people who freaking hate you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's who pays attention to those. And they've got a slate of candidates ready to go and half the time actually probably like 60 percent of the time they run uncontested and that's why that they've gotten such control at every single level and a lot of us conservatives just woke up you know covid or maybe a little bit before that in the trump era and we're like whoa what the heck how did we lose our country well this is it right here so i think that the stay stay engaged and stay involved i think that that's all all that we can do to take our country back um <clears throat> To kind of shift again to an, another possibility, I suppose, about everything going on with sabotage, and I think that this one, you know, if you know, we're going to entertain, you know, Klaus Schwab and Davos and you know the fourth industrial, whatever the hell, we also have to look at the tried and true method of uh, building up resentment for a foreign boogeyman. You know, the USS Maine, uh, the whatever the Zimmerman telegram in World War One, the Lusitania, the you know Pearl Harbor, to the Gulf of Tonkin, to I mean, at a certain point, you also got to remember, like, what's not speculation? Like, what do we actually know from declassified documents? And then it's we drum up resentment for a foreign enemy, right? And I'm not saying that it's a conspiracy. There's a lot of foreign enemies, a bunch of assholes. I'm not entirely unconvinced that the death machine is not sort of letting this happen very slowly but they're not being this is my own tinfoil they're not going as sudden as a gulf of tonkin or uh whatever they're doing it in a more uh attenuated form you do a you do a covid you do a balloon incursion you do a couple railroad derailments and there will be whatever's coming next very slowly and then hey it comes out that this is russia or this is let's not even say china let's just say russia we're it's always cool. Russia. Yeah, it's always right. We it's always, always Russia. Four years during Trump, right? It's they're taking Ukraine. They're they're killing the innocent Nazis in Ukraine. Why why wouldn't they drum this up further and go? Russia is now directly at war with us because it is no longer 
undeniable that we are at war with. We're doing everything. We are putting, it's like when I went hunting with my dad when I was like seven and I shot a rabbit with a shotgun at like eight feet, fucking detonated. But like my dad like literally put my finger like on the trigger and then was just like, now pull back. Who killed the rabbit? Seven-year-old me or my old man? (laughs) We're doing that in Russia. We're doing that on the border of Russia. Why wouldn't they drum this up to say that this is Russia? And could it actually be Russia? Like, it is this sabotage? Yeah, I mean, we do always try and drum up a foreign boogeyman. I mean, just 20 years ago, literally almost to this day, we were being told we have to go into Iraq. Saddam has weapons of mass destruction, ties to Al-Qaeda. We've got graphs. We've got charts. We've got scary-looking vials and tubes and stuff. Like, you you guys have to get on board with this. And the American people, myself included, we were like, yeah, I mean, this is, this is serious. We don't want another 9-11 now, do we? So we all jumped in on that. And like you gave all the examples in history before, this is a tried and true playbook. I mean, like right now, look at the times when major leaders in our country, they come and they address the American people. Biden just did it the other day. He talked about how we have to like pay Ukrainian pension funds. You know, he talked about how all the different uh, ways in which we're supporting the Ukrainian people. Mitch McConnell does this all the time. I mean, he, you know, he wore his Ukraine flag tied to the State of the Union address. Like, they they constantly want to talk about this and there's all the different corruption reasons and the military industrial complex but at the end of the day it's much easier for you guys to get up there and to wax philosophical about someone else's fight for freedom as opposed to dealing with just how messed up our country is like our economy is absolutely in the toilet there's no good solutions and as opposed to having to like do their job as responsible leaders and deal with those no good solutions it's much easier for them to say guys we can't deal with any of that right now because democracy is on the line in Ukraine. And so if you if you question anything I'm saying, then you you must hate democracy and you might even be pro-Putin and we'll, we'll look into that. But guys, you need to seriously continue to you know, send billions of dollars to Ukraine. It's a great distraction. Uh, I mean, to answer your the second part of your question, like, could it be, I mean, like we're, we're taking a lot of hostile actions against Russia. And so for us to think that that's never going to blow back is, I mean, that's wishful thinking. Now, at the end of the day, though, I, I do think Putin is already spread. He's not necessarily spread thin, but he's being judicious with where he's using his forces in Ukraine right now. And so, yeah, would he result to would he resort to unconventional warfare, sabotage, those types of things? I, I think he would, but at the end of the day, I don't think Putin wants to provoke us anymore. And now the question is, at what point does he say, well, screw provoking them? They're already at war with me. Um, I, I do think that. Putin, considering how how he has a, a limited amount of resources and he wants to capitalize on his ability to actually win in Ukraine, especially because it's on his border. I don't see a, a Putin, you know, I don't think Putin is irrational. I mean, he's a bad dude. The world's full of bad dudes. Definitely a bad dude. <clears throat> I don't think he's dumb. I, and I don't think he is uh, irrational in the sense that he's like, well, now I'm going to go start derailing trains in America. <laughs> you know? However, I, there is an incentive stri- structure within our country to say, guys, this this isn't our own incompetence here. This isn't because, you know, we appointed Mayor Pete to be in head of the Department of Transportation um, and we've let our infrastructure decay. This is because of Putin. I mean, they're, they're going to try that because they've tried because Putin with everything for the last five or six years. So, yeah. Yeah. And then it's. Um, yeah, I'm also not entirely sure that. Again, like, I mean, there are two ways to look at Ukraine again. Is it like, are we just, is this just a foreign occupation 2.0? Hey, instead of sending our people, what we'll do is just send all the weapons. I mean, they Northrop still gets all the contracts. What do they care? And it's also a good way to deplete our stuff. I mean, and then not to go full, you know, again, tinfoil, but are we depleting our own things so that we actually are weak so you can instill rational fear when something from China comes in and then as Russia and China pair and just like we're kind of forcing the EU to do what Trump wanted them to do, which is pay more for NATO. Instead, we let Russia invade Ukraine and now they start nutting up. Are we doing the same things to ourselves to go, hey, we're actually in trouble. Now China's coming and we don't have anything. If that's, I mean... Yeah, I think another another thing that 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 frightens me is that we've got, we've got a whole category of leaders, especially when you look at national defense, the Pentagon, the intelligence community. 
these people have been allowed to fail and fail upwards mm -hmm. in a very big way for at least the last two decades post 9-11. I mean, people got out there and, you know, Milley was given this speech about how Vladimir Putin is, is defeated. Uh, the Russians are underperforming. I mean, literally, like that could have been the exact same speech, except for you just take out Putin and Russia and say the Taliban, yeah. uh, say the Iraqi insurgency. And like, we all know exactly how that ends. These people have made their careers off of lying and bullshitting. And they've never been held accountable for it. And so, like, you almost don't really even need a nefarious conspiracy. These people are egotistical enough and full of enough hubris to say, oh, yeah, we're going to have this drawn out proxy conflict uh, in Ukraine. That's going to bleed out the Russians. You know, Putin then's going to fall. And next thing you know, we're going to be able to install a pro-democracy, you know, regime over in Russia. They're going to become our great trading partners. I mean, these these exact same fantasies these people had about <clears throat> Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, you name it. And those countries, because they didn't have nuclear weapons, the consequences just weren't as high. Whenever their, their schemes came all crumbling down into a big stack of lies, we got to get in airplanes and fly out. I mean, we flew out in a catastrophic disaster in Afghanistan. The media spared Obama from that embarrassment uh, in Iraq the two times we had to do it there. But like they were able to just play in these places where the consequences weren't as high. And so now they're taking that same those lessons learned and they're applying it in a place where there's going to be much higher strategic consequences. When this whole thing started and we started pouring a lot, massive amounts of, of weaponry into Ukraine, no one was thinking about the supply chain ramifications for Europe. None of that was even planned. And the way that we continue to talk about regime change in Russia, a total military defeat of Putin and all this nonsense, like what's Putin supposed to think? You, you remember the guy has nuclear weapons. Like, why didn't we ever have a big conflict with Russia before in the past? Well, because they have nukes. You know, that's why every time any kind of conflict between us and Russia got near any one of our borders, calmer heads prevailed. Mm -hmm. And we had discussions about this. We're not doing this right now. I mean, you go back even further. This is why the people that wrote the containment doctrine said, hey, never push NATO up under Russia's borders. Well, what have we done since Bill Clinton was in office? We, we pushed we pushed NATO up under Russia's border. Like it, it's just it, but at the end of the day, like for me, so much of this goes back to the people that are in charge right now. They have been allowed to fail. They've benefited from the failure. And now they're they're just stumbling into another failure because they never see or feel any consequences. Yeah, and then back to the detriment of every uh, you know thing we take by selling our strategic oil by you know moving entirely to trying to get everyone onto electric vehicles. I was just reading this morning uh, that I think we have nine lithium battery like production plants in the United States. China has one hundred and fifty three, like again like who's benefiting from all of this and it's at the risk of thinking that putin is you know a, a genius times a trillion and you know he's trump was indoctrinated by the kgb back in the set okay like i get it's again very easy to say the big bad chinese monster is you know playing 9d chess but man if it doesn't look like everything benefits them and i i i, I don't know it's it's back to the you know the nuclear thing is is this also kind of is this are the chickens coming home from our own last 80 years of of imperialism and that's what it is not to sound like a fucking commie but is this some blowback from our own manipulating markets around i mean the dulles brothers were no boy scouts like we've been doing this too is this is this sort of receding into not America falling, but rather this is what happens when you constantly tinker around? And I mean, yeah, is there a limit to that? Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, I, I think what we're seeing unravel or be played against us is the the post what is it the post-war rules-based international liberal order like this whole global order in general and, and i'm not talking about like some conspiracy at davos the, yeah. the, the post-world war ii um construct was that america was the sole superpower however as a sole superpower we weren't going to go out and necessarily be like british style imperialists what we were going to do was we were going to make all these different parts of the world interdependent upon one another so therefore 
there wouldn't be any peace. We would be the ones that guarantee you. This is why we frequently see America running off to play world police. We would ensure that there's going to be peace, in particular, uh, peace on the high seas to ensure this interconnected uh, global order. We would make sure with with the might of our U.S. Navy that you know piracy didn't come back. That if there is an issue in international waters, we would immediately move in to resolve that so that the shipping could continue. A deal that we cut with the devil, you know, 20, 30 years ago, China jumped in and said, "Hey, we're a developing nation. We'll take all the all the manufacturing costs." And we had greedy elite in America who didn't care or didn't factor in what this was going to do to the American working class. They just said, "Hey, we'll get access to cheaper goods." It'll be great for everybody. We'll we'll get cheap crap at Walmart. Let's ship all that stuff over there. And we did that. And now we're deeply intertwined with China. China just started moving at, you know, a, a really uh, fast and surprising rate. And they were able to gobble up so much manufacturing. And then they extrapolated that out to one road, one belt, trying to grab up key terrain. Um, whereas we are still the ones that are insuring. We're still paying the cost, not just in terms of keeping international shipping alive, not just in terms of making sure our manufacturing base to our detriment stays over in China. We're also providing the security guarantees for large swaths of the world. I mean, the liberals always talk about the, the, the left, I should say, they always talk about the great healthcare programs they have over in Europe. Everybody has socialized medicine, you know, and I'm against socialized medicine here in America, but like, what, how come Europe can do that? Well, they don't pay anything. They, they, they pay hardly anything for their defense. Yeah. Well, who pays for their defense? NATO? What's NATO? NATO is America. I mean, the Brits just the other day said that they can maybe field a couple battalions and they could only sustain them for about a week or two. What does what the rest of NATO bring to the table? hardly anything. That's why we've got over 100,000 uh, soldiers over in Europe right now. We're surging more over there. The 101st Airborne Division's over there right now. So they're able to have all this peace and prosperity because we're providing the security guarantees. So therefore, they have all this money to give to their people. I mean, you can look at North Korea, South Korea, the exact same things. We have this throughout the country, throughout the world. So, and it's crazy because when you look at America, uh, Peter Zihan's a guy, I think I'm saying his name right, Peter, he's just on Joe Rogan, uh, Zihan, he, he does a lot of uh, geopolitical analysis, he talks about supply chains in a very intelligent way, I disagree with some of the conclusions he comes to, but basically if you look at America, we are one of the, we're blessed, we're one of the only nations that we actually don't really need a lot of trade relations. We yeah. can sustain ourselves. We can export because people want stuff from us. People want access to our market. Therefore, our tariff system could do a lot to run down our national debt, could do a lot to alleviate tax burden from taxpayers. But we don't need this international order, yet we are the ones who pay for it. And so we have been taken advantage of by China, by Europe, by all these different organizations. And so I think a lot of it now, we're just seeing a lot of that implode because our economy here at home has been so hollowed out. I mean, we've we've alleviated financial crisis after financial crisis by printing more money. And we're seeing all of that coming to a head with this out of control inflation. So I think on every level, like we, we are just spread so thin that a lot of it is imploding and it's imploding around us. And the crazy thing is this is all self-inflicted. We didn't need any of this nonsense from you know the, the, the rules-based international order that we hear fetishized so much. If we would just look out for ourselves, our country, and I think the whole world would be in a much better spot. Is it wishful thinking to think that we can all just get along, right? Is it, will there always be, I did an episode like towards the end of last year, with with a friend of mine, and we were just kind of going on this entire military industrial complex rabbit hole, just fueled by like espresso and vodka, and it eventually concluded with someone's going to have one. It's a zero sum game. We are barely, in terms of geologic time, we are barely out of the trees. Like we are, we are apes. Someone's going to have one. I'd rather it be us. Is this yeah. just? Is this just it? someone's going to be screwed and it's 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 terrible but it's it's them or them or us is that just someone's going to run the world and it's just not going to be pretty and that's a that's a deeply philosophical question and unfortunately you can't right. run a trial experiment because if you mess up you lose but yeah, is that yeah. the case well, I mean, look, I mean, we know of human nature. I mean, we know that this this is why like a lot of what like libertarians and even like those on the far left, even the globalists, what they say, it's just utopian pipe dreams, man. I mean, like 
human power dynamics are what they are, someone's always going to be trying to get an advantage on somebody. Like, I mean, hey, if we could make that not so, I mean, sure, yeah, we could try that. If you could get rid of all violence, if we can get rid of yeah. all violence ever and that was never invented, then yeah, I guess I wouldn't need a gun. But until then, I'm going to keep my gun. And so, but what I think we can do is we can have a pragmatic defense strategy. I mean, just look at what we're blessed with here in America and say, what do we really need to go abroad searching for like we don't need to be a country that has to go out and conquer other countries we don't need to go take other countries resources we have everything that we need here in america you know and what little we don't have it's probably like a luxury item that we can trade for pretty easily um so if we really just focus internally and we have to defend ourselves like I, there's a lot of folks i think that are on um you know in our political camp who are like disband all the intelligence agencies you know we don't need any of that like i'm sorry we do yeah we just need them to actually look out for america and to collect information and to run operations that benefits america now does that mean we need to be doing regime change and color revolutions like all over <laughs> eastern europe uh do we need to be talking toppling dictators because they're not good people in the Middle East. Like, you know, we, we don't need to be doing that. At the end of the day, like I, I arrived with my worldview, my, my, my foreign policy stances of being much more non-interventionist. I mean, I hate to say this, not because I'm a great person who hate, who just, oh, I just hate war. Like, no, not, not that at all. It's like, hey, when we go through these massive muscle movements as a country where we spend trillions of dollars and we send people home in body bags, what did we get out of that? Yeah. And that, that's where I think the American people should become much more ruthless. Like there needs to be people held accountable for why we spent $9 trillion between Iraq and Afghanistan in 20 years, why we lost 8,000 Americans. Like what the hell did we get out of that? I mean, like a lot of people will say, oh yeah, we just went to Iraq because of the oil. Actually, unfortunately we, we didn't. didn't even get that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we should go over there and take people's oil, but that at least would have been a thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, morally, I don't agree with that, but that at least would have been like, okay, well, countries take over other countries for resources sometimes. We didn't even do that. We went over there and just hemorrhaged money. Now, people like Biden and them and the military industrial complex and, you know, Rumsfeld and Cheney, they made it. They made a killing off it. But as a country, what did we get out of it? I mean, and so for me, it's just like, yeah, we're never going to be at this place where we're kumbaya with everybody in the world. But that's all the more reason to batten down the hatches here in America and really just take care of our own. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. It's like, no, we shouldn't go topple a country and take the resources. But at least if you did that, it's rational. You at least go, oh, this is just a psychopathic elite that's maybe taking national security too far. Like, hey, I like the energy, but let's not go that far, right? That doesn't even make sense. It's like if John Hinckley Jr. just hated Reagan, shooting him, I guess, would make sense. But to get Jodie Foster... It's like, bro, like if you're going to go do life, actually, he's out now. He was reinstated on Twitter before I was. That's a fact. But like, that's not even rational. And it's like, what are we even doing? Like, if you want to just go run the world and have planet America, that's not good. But I, I get where you're coming from. Like, what the hell are we even doing? Is this just insanity run amok? And then I don't know. Is there? I, 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 I don't know. Are we just in this? Yeah, I mean, go on. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I, I we, we've gotten so much muscle memory and, and just institutional knowledge on like how we go and do regime change, how we go and, you know, conduct these military activities and these covert activities everywhere that like when programs in the government start, they're really hard to shut down. And whether that's a covert action program or whether that's like some wasteful construction project with a bridge to nowhere with the government, it's kind of the same thing. And so I think with our national security state, you do see a lot of that. And this is where you need pragmatic leadership to come in and say, wait, what are you guys doing? Like, what do we what do we get? And this is why people either loved or hated Donald Trump. And I loved him as a guy who was, you know, knee deep in a career in national security because Trump came in and he said, like, hey, we got nothing out of this. This was like explain. Well, explain it to me again what, what we're doing in Iraq and Syria. Like, that's dumb. What are we doing in Afghanistan? And like a lot of people who are deeply and some of these people were my friends who were because we were all deeply invested in sure. those things. And so you you get one reaction or another. You get guys like me who are like, that's refreshing. He's right. I've been thinking and saying that for a really long time. I like that guy. Or you get people who are like that guy just insulted everything that I've worked for, everything I've sacrificed for. And he says he wants to end the way that I make my living and I, you know, identify myself professionally. This is how I feed my family. So and that's why I think there was just so much disruption caused by Trump, because if you start having and Tulsi Gabbard to a certain extent, if you start having people who are, you know, in a position of power, look at those who are supposed to be, you know, the ones that that answer to them say, say, what are you guys doing again? Like, why are we doing that? Like, 
that's when you get this massive amounts of, of, uh, of pushback. And so I, I just think we've got to realize that these a lot of these organizations in our government, until we really reform them, they're always going to be looking for the next thing. I mean, the, the pullout in Afghanistan, I really think the Department of Defense was surprised by that. I thought that they figured they were going to pull the wool over Joe Biden's eyes again, and he was going to extend how long we stayed in Afghanistan. But right after that happened, they knew the media was going to help memory hole it. And they were like, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. It's like, we just got out of Afghanistan for 20 years. And now you guys are saying you like this because this is what they do. Because if they don't find the next thing to move on to, then how do they justify their budgets? You know, that's that's just kind of the way the game works. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the in the, in the last couple of minutes I have you is um, what does next year look like is is i mean obviously trump announced he's gonna run is does he have any real sh- i mean rigged elections aside but does he have any real shot is there you know 2020 a lot of people hated him well I know everyone hated him and you could kind of get away with it aside from the pandemic and like the riots it things were still i guess good enough but now with the very real i mean in incursions in our airspace for like, the first time i guess 9-11 pearl harbor sputnik um and vaccine deaths coming out more and more and proof of collusion with big tech to suppress every story again paying for pensions of ukrainians but not giving fema aid to people in east palestine until trump announces he's going to go there the price you know people actually taking out like 12 dollar loans uh on amazon to buy a dozen of of eggs is it going to get so bad that this guy can swoop in and take it yeah, as far as like Trump or, you know, um, I, I fully support President Trump running again. Um, and, and there's people who, you know, I agree with on most things that like say, hey, no, we, we have to move on beyond Trump. At the end of the day, what I think is we have a world that is in complete and total crisis right now. And we need a commander in chief at the helm who has proven that he can not start any new wars that he can be a skilled negotiator and that he can tamp down international tensions enough. And I know when, when you say tamp things down and Donald Trump, that doesn't sound like two things that belong <laughs> in the same sentence because we've all been conditioned that like, oh my gosh, Trump's this bombastic guy is going to get on Twitter and start World War III. Okay, well, he's got a track record now and Trump's track record uh, on you know a wide variety of things. People can Peace say, deals. oh, he handled COVID this. I mean, a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of criticism that I think he would accept, maybe not publicly, but I think that he would say, yeah, okay, we kind of got that wrong. However, when it comes to Trump's gut instincts on foreign policy, he's been right, and right now the stakes couldn't be higher. I mean, we thought the stakes were high in 2016 with ISIS taking over multiple countries um, when Trump came on the scene. The scene that time. Right now, I mean, I fear anybody who thinks they know what's going to happen next in Ukraine is lying to you because there's so many different things that are at play right now. <laughs> this is the fog of war. I mean, if you look at the the conditions that led up to the first world war starting, they got kicked off when, yep. you know, Archduke Ferdinand got assassinated by like some random dude. Like th- that's the territory that we're in right now. And that's why we need the one leader. I mean, as far as I can tell, he's the only world leader right now that's talking about moving things to a ceasefire and tamping down these tensions. Like he's the only guy on the world stage that's saying this. I haven't heard any other presidential candidates say it. Um, so for me, it's like, you, I, I'm sold. Like that's the guy I want to get in there. I hope, I think Trump should really, I mean, you know, Mr. President, if you're watching, run on your foreign policy, run on your foreign policy, run on putting America first, the move that he's doing right now in East Palestine, uh, Ohio, him going there and saying, hey, this is where the government's attention should be. That's 100% right. And that's his gut instinct. So I I think Trump's got a chance. I mean, it's going to be a hard fight. If we thought 2020 was bad, I think this is going to be much worse because the the other side, if they're going to run Biden or they're going to run, I don't know, Gavin Newsom or somebody, I don't know, but they're going to try and do everything they can they're going to light the, the country on fire again if they have to to prevent Trump from getting those types of gains. And, and you know, look, if Trump isn't the Republican nominee and someone else is, they're going to do the exact same thing they did to Trump to any Republican, any Republican. So this whole idea of like, well, if we just run somebody of Trump's policies who's not Trump, they're going to be nice to us this time. No, they're not. You can run Mother Teresa. If she's got an R by her name, they are going to say that she's literally Hitler. It is what it is. So again, that to me, it's just like, well, hire the guy they've already thrown the kitchen sink at because it obviously doesn't bother him. Yeah. Yeah, no, hire, hire that guy as yeah, peace deals in the Middle East under Kushner, the actual denuclearization of the, or attempt at least with the Korean Peninsula, with the North Korea and South Korean uh, leaders shaking hands. Like, 
Hey, man. Uh, Putin wasn't ro- launching rockets at anybody. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. If if Trump was a Putin uh, uh, puppet and it led to world peace and a booming economy, I'll take the fucking Russian venture. And I, I don't give a shit. I don't. But yeah, no, it doesn't matter who runs. And for anyone that's going, yeah, well, you know, we're going to paint him as Hitler. You're either going to get a guy that's going to do what's best for America or you're going to get an actual Hitler because this is what happens when things go so south. A fascist dictator often arises. And just like overusing the word racist, when there is an actual Hitler, no one's going to care. Pick your poison. Um, but with that, guys, go go. Please follow Joe Kent on Twitter. Link will be in the description. And um Please go donate to his campaign if you like him. If you don't like him, don't. That's fine, too. Uh, obviously, I'm biased because I think he's a badass. But uh, go check out his stuff. Go check out my uh, other podcasts with him. You've been saying the same thing. You're steady-handed. And, um, yeah, hopefully we get out of this. And uh, if not, maybe some alien race is watching the uh, electromagnetic waves of this podcast from a irradiated Earth. So, I don't know, man. Thank you so much, Joe. And uh, Yeah, man, thank you. All right, buddy. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Again, go follow him on Twitter. Thank you so much. Recording God bless. Stopped. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.